Hi! Welcome to Tamiwa Oluwen Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the Word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You got to have your seat in the Lord's presence. Every time you take a stand with God, you get signed off for battles that are beyond your age. Every time you take a stand with God, you get signed up for battles that are beyond your age. Every child of God carries an enviable destiny that attracts combat from the enemy. Every child of God. You have such a pleasurable destiny. You have such an enviable destiny that attracts combat. If you're not going through anything, if you're not going through any turmoil, any challenge, any kind of difficulties, I'm sorry to announce to you, more than likely, you don't even have a good destiny. More than likely. More than likely. Or perhaps you are still on the devil's side because the devil does not attack his own. But when you're on the law side, when you take a stand with God and you have a beautiful destiny, you would go through all manners of attacks. Battles are challenging ground where victors and victims are decorated. Battles are what? They are challenging ground where victors and victims are decorated. So two things you'll find on a battlefield you'll find victims and you'll find victors. Battles are open fields where sons and slaves are distinguished. You can tell who is a son on a battlefield and you can tell who is a slave on a battlefield. Battlefields are valleys. Or let me say battles are valleys where your words, the things you say, determines the destiny of dead bones. Hear me closely. What you say at every valley determines what happens to the dead bones. So what does that tell you? That your valleys are filled with dead bones. But are they supposed to remain dead? No. Life is a mystery, but it's best engaged with revelations. What you believe inspires what you say. Do you hear what I just said? Are we together this morning? What you believe inspires what you say. And what you say determines what you get. So I tell people most of the time that to be disappointed is because your expectation was cut short. If there was no expectation, there is nothing to be disappointed about. If there is something about you that is still angry about this new month, it's because you've screened down your expectations and it looks like it's not forthcoming. But I'm announcing to somebody this morning at the sound of my voice, the Lord will blow your mind. If you believe that this morning that I'm a prophet sent to you, the Lord will blow your mind. Amen. To be 
disappointed is a clear indication that something is missing or something is broken. So by default, life is a battlefield. I preached a sermon like this before in this house and somebody was not happy with it. Because the expectation was that life is supposed to be beautiful. Life was never designed to be beautiful. Perhaps you're still in the lower cadre or the lower stage of life. So you probably still feel like that. I've said before in this house, you can't really define battles until you're married. Did you hear what I just said? It's not a rush and it's not to exempt you from marriage. You are still dealing with your destiny. Now somebody else's destiny is attached to you. You really cannot define life until you get to certain stages in life. So by default, life itself is a battlefield. Life is a battlefield. It's a valley of bones for the weak and streams of water for the strengthened. It's a valley of bones for the weak. But streams of water for the strengthened. How do I know this? Ezekiel 37 verse 1 to 2. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 to 2. Let's see what that says. It says, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. Now get this and hear this close. The hand of the Lord can be upon your life, but you you could still be in the valley that is filled with dead bones. The mistake many people make is that once there is an evident call and there is an evident manifestation of God upon their life, they assume that they are exempted from certain things. That's not true. It had even better be that God's hand is not upon your life. Because the hand of God upon your life positions you as a trademark of the most high. And if there is anything the devil is after, is to attack everything that belongs to God. Not that he knows he can win. But to project the space of frustration. Now watch this. God cannot be frustrated, but man can be frustrated. You can't frustrate God. But man can be frustrated. So hear this. The hand of the Lord God was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. By the Spirit of the Lord. Not that Ezekiel came out by himself. He was brought out by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord exposes you to your calling, exposes you to your destiny. In fact, sometimes it's as good as you don't even know the destiny God has prepared for you. Than for you to be exposed to it and you are seeing the other side of what negates and fights that destiny. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a what? Of a valley. Let's say that loud. In the middle of what? Of a valley. I wish it was an empty valley. But what did he say? The valley was filled with what? It was full of bones. Not just bones. He says he led me back and forth amongst them. I saw great many bones on the floor of the valley. And these were bones that were what? That were dry. There is a way your life might be going. But the picture people are painting for you is that nothing good can come out of this. I'm happy to announce to you that God is about to change your story. That was the same they said about Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
There is just a route your life goes. Even you, who is a carrier of a great destiny, questions the dimension and the manifestation of that promise. So life is a battlefield, a valley that can be filled with bones and it can also be streams of water for the strengthened. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. Very popular scripture. If you're a Christian and you don't know the scripture, I, I, I don't know when you joined us. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3. It said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, nor stand in the way that sinners take, nor sit in the company of mockers. Verse 2. It said, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord? Who meditates on it day and night? Verse 3, watch this. He said, that person is like what? A tree planted by what? By streams of water. If you are not walking in the steps of the wicked, the wicked will attack you. Now, is that an invitation to just rather be in their steps? No, because the end result of the wicked is destruction. The wicked knows they'll be destroyed. He says, and that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in what? In season. You have a season. Did you hear what I just said? You have what? You have a season. Don't envy another man's season because yours can be better. Don't envy it. All my life, to the glory of God, never envied another man's season. The best I can do is to take a screenshot. Never to use it as a prayer point. I can take a screenshot. I can fracture it. I can frame it into my dream life. But I will never make it a prayer point. Never make it a point of approach to God. And that's the mistake many of us make. You are using somebody else's testimony as a point of contact. Can you use their shame as a point of contact? You think it's Christianic. You think it's Christian-like. Oh, I used Mr. John's testimony as a prayer point. I used this as a point of contact to reach God. No, don't do it. Don't do it. It's different from what you've been hearing in church, but I'm telling you the truth. Never use somebody else's testimony as a point of contact. So, pastor, what should I do with somebody's testimony? Let it remind you that God is in your space. Testimony is a reminder. A reminder. So he says, he yields his fruit in a season. Whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do. Whatever they do. What happens to it? Prospers. I say it again. You have to choose the part you belong to. Are you the weak? Or you are the strengthened? Life is a battlefield, a valley that is filled with dead bones for the weak. And that same valley has streams of water for the strengthened. So by default, life thrives on negativity more than positivity. Life thrives on what? Negativity more than positivity.
It appears as though it looks like it's a crime to give. Because the first thing that life projects to you is that the more you give, the more you'll be used. Life tells you that the more you fast, the more you get hurt. If there is any excuse for somebody not fasting, it's also Because they will get hurt. If there is any reason why people close the door against themselves when they are fasting, it's because they know if they open that door and approach somebody, the person will get them hurt. Life tells you that it's a crime to pray because you'll be labeled. I grew up hearing one song. I, I really don't know the person who sang it, but if, if you listen to all those uh, Yoruba CSA songs very well, uh, the song says, let, let life not ask me what I brought back from, from you. Uh, the Yoruba says, Yeah, I remember the song. Those were, those were the Ronkelonia I grew up with. Praise God. Life tells you it's a crime to pray. Why? Because you'll be labeled. You'll be labeled. Life tells you that it's a crime to believe because you'll be tested. Whatever you believe to be tested. Life tells you that it's a crime to celebrate because you'll be envied. As beautiful as you post on social media, you are building a team of enemies. As beautiful as it is, you're doing what? You're building a team of enemies. It's not every like that is actually like. Some likes are hate. I'm telling you the truth. So you are happy. I got 500 likes. More than likely, it's 499 hates. Because that like, you yourself like this. So you are, you are the only one. That. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the absolute truth. Oh, pastor, I want more likes. I want more likes. You are gathering more hates. There's an adage in Yoruba language that says that uh, when you've cooked your yam, and it's done. You do what? You, you cover it. Because they can turn your yam to something pounded. <laughs> Praise God. That's what life tells you. That's why you're celebrating. Because people just envy you. And you, you, you know the irony to life. And I'm just pouring out my heart this morning. Is that the person that is envying you even has some things that are better than what you have? This is very common among ladies. Find two ladies beefing themselves, envying themselves. You realize that the one that has that envy is even more beautiful than the one they are trying to envy. That's especially when you are not proud of your skin color. Say, why is, why, why is all the guys going to her? Because she's light skin. By default, men are attracted to light. That's why they created white powder for you. So you or stay under a lodging light. But by default, the most beautiful skin color is the dark skin. Am I helping some brother this morning? 
Say, Pastor, I don't know what's in that lady. She's just light skin. Every guy is going to her. Everybody's making friends with her. And everybody's black is beauty. Say, Pastor, I don't know. Is it because I'm short? That's why people are just ignoring me. It is your kind of height that climbs the, Nicol- uh, the sycamore tree. Honest truth. Now, I told somebody this sometimes in church, and I just hope you believe. I'm not the only tall person here. I have people who are tall here. Every tall person is scared of height. Every tall person. Not just that. Every tall person feels intimidated. You would assume that is a short person that should be intimidated. Tall people feel intimidated. If I stand beside you and you're short, you will probably think I'm intimidating you. I'm the one that is intimidated. I'm telling you the truth. Someone says, no, 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 pastor, I, I, I want your height. I like your height. My height has put me in trouble. Because wherever you are, they sound you. A short person can sneak and get away with things. So I appeal to you this morning, celebrate your height. Clap for your height. Clap, clap, celebrate your height. Celebrate your height. I don't know why this is coming to my mind. It's not an insult. But if you are really of the big size, don't feel intimidated. I'll help you. This is how to help you. People like us that are lanky, not too much uh, distant. When we get older, we shrink faster. But you that you are the big size, before you shrink, it will take time. It will take time. So you realize that at old age, you are still fresh. Now, that's not a license for you to just go and be hiding weight. <laughs> Praise God. So, life tells you why do you have to celebrate? You'll be envied. And sometimes I feel sorry for those who try to hide their potentials from the fear of being envied. My mom sent me uh, a video on WhatsApp. And uh, it was a disparity between ages. It said uh, some people between the age of 20 to 30 or thereabout, you are so concerned about people's expectation of you. Now, if you are from 30 to 40, you are concerned about probably delivery or something like that. But now, this is where I'm going. He said, now you get to the age of 60 and 70 and you realize that in all your life, nobody actually even cared about you. And that's the truth. That's the honest truth. So you're living your life with the expectations of men when there is the expectation of God. Life tells you that it's a crime to prophesy because you'll be attacked. Go and check out every man of God that is attacked on social media. They are are people from the school of prophecy. From the school of prophecy. If there's any reason why you didn't know that Pastor Adeboe passed through a lot of attacks, it's because there was no social media during his time. There was no social media. If there was social media during that man's time, more than likely you would have quit ministry. 
Because the dimension that he, that he was even walking, that man has come down. He has come down. He has come to the he has come to a point whereby he's, he's, he's relating with us like I'm ready to go. I watched the video of his, his wife's birthday. He was bold to say it. He said, The day God calls me home, I want him to call me and my wife together. For you to say that, it means you've seen what heaven looks like. When that man was, was still like, how do they say this thing in Ibadan? Matima and she were on street. When he was still on point. That was the day we went to redemption camp and the man said we should bring out comb to comb our hair. That was the day where the man said the same cloth you wore as you are getting to your house, burn it in front of you. Does that not sound like ritual? That was the day the man said put sand in your, heart, in your hand and speak to the sand. And blow it. At the same camp. But now it's cool and calm. Or is he the Osa that wants to perform miracle on somebody's neck that is broken and say, bring him here. And the person gets there. He said, what's wrong with your neck? He said, I had an accident. He said, okay. He said, remove that thing. He removes it. He said, slap yourself three times. The person is doing like this. He said, come here. Pop! Turn your neck. Is he gone? Give Jesus some praise. Eh? If I try it here, they'll probably think I mean that person. Tell you the truth. So you see that people are, every time a word of prophecy comes to you, that's when you attack springs board. When nothing has been said about you, it looks like everything was going cool. Ask my wife. There's one thing I don't like when I'm in the midst of pastor. Stop prophesying. Because I noticed that the moment you say that thing, it's like you just opened another chapter of battles for me. Just like the day somebody said to me, he said, he said God is taking you to a level that this, 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 that, that, that entire week. It was a serious one. A very serious one. Now, am I saying I don't like the prophecy? I really do like it. Many of us like it. Many of us want somebody to prophesy about our life. But the moment that prophecy eats, your attack just took, a, just took a new turn. It just took a new turn. Prophecy is the same thing as almost being anointed. David was cool in the, in the jungle. It was very cool. He was doing his thing. Nobody told David to, 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 to destroy the bear or, or, or destroy the lion. It was his choice. It was his choice. Because the lion just came to attack the sheep. He could have let it go. He could have let it slide. But he took it upon himself to destroy the lion and the bear. And the moment Samuel anointed him as king, that was where his battle started from. Sometimes the battle comes to you. Sometimes you walk into the battle. It is that walking into the battle that people will tag as stupidity. But you are one step closer to your destiny. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. Can I have that please? It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of what? Of many kinds. Somebody must have prayed me into service this morning. 
He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3. Verse 3. Because you know that what? The testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Mark this. Perseverance there is not talking about patience. That's the mistake many Christians make. Say, oh, I'm going through this. God just wants me to be patient. No. Perseverance there is strategic. It's not talking about patience. Verse 4. Let perseverance do what? Finish its work. So that you may be what? You may be mature and complete. Not lacking Anything. Another translation says, so that at the end of the day, nothing is missing and nothing is broken. You can't have a beautiful destiny and go through battles with a half body. You can't. It says, let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you see why I said he wasn't talking about patience. Because patience can't be developed. It, 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 it can't even be developed. So when the person who is battling with you is a woman. That is not how your patience can get developed. Because today you have issues. She'll come back and say, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. She will springboard something else. Let your endurance grow even stronger. It will release perfection into every part of your being. It's not just your body alone that steps into the promise. Your spirit steps into the promise. Your soul does. Your mental capability does. Your mind does. He said to be part of it until there is what? You see what I'm saying? Until there is nothing missing. And what? Nothing lacking. You need to understand this. Now, I'm not coming here to motivate anyone who is going through any kinds of trials. I'm here to teach God's word to you this morning. That the real essence of the trials, the real essence of the tribulation, it's so that you can be built up. My pastor in Houston would say something that if you went through something and could not sleep for weeks and that same thing come back to you years later and you could sleep conveniently. He said it's not that there was no trouble. It's because you have grown. It's because you have grown. Being a pastor, I've seen all kinds of things and it's helped me to grow. It's helped me to grow. You know how painful it is when somebody walks out on you? Sorry, those who have a job. When they walk out on you. For everyone walking out, there is a 10 replacement. So if you tie on to people, you would always get hurt. You would always get hurt. So when you see a lady who is heartbroken, about to kill herself, about to destroy herself over somebody who is just a boyfriend, it tells how crazy and stupid you can be because that's just a boyfriend. There is what they call husband. Now if you're crying, oh, my husband left me. That's why I'm heartbroken. I will kill myself. There's a difference between husband and life partner. Life partners don't leave. 
Husband can walk away. Adam never called Eve wife. He said, this is the bone of my bone. The bone of your bone cannot go away. That's dislocation. Both the bone and the owner of the bone will feel the pain. That's the truth. That's the honest truth. Try and take out a bone. Both the bone and you will feel it. So you just say, Pastor, I'm going to kill myself. My life has turned up. How? how? Who, who turned it? You are standing, talking. If your life has turned upside down, then your head should be on your feet. Something must build up in you. And that's the message I want you to get this morning. You must be built up. Because every attack of the enemy is to challenge or cripple your faith. Every attack of the enemy is to do what? Is to challenge or cripple your faith. That's to tell you that you have something that the enemy is trying to take away from you. The enemy is cool with you praying for hours. He does not have an issue with that. And like what somebody said, which is a message I'm going to say to this house, prayer does not get to God. Prayer changes you. Changes you. So the, the, the essence of this attack, the essence of this trial is so that it can destroy your faith. That's why I said it is what you believe that you say. And many people, I'm sorry to say this, many of us in church, we are so quick to lose God when it comes to this aspect of our faith. What you believe. Who believes in this house that they are going to be great? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. If I try everybody. So there's no reason why those trials should dictate your next move. There's no reason. There's no reason. There's no reason. I met a man of God uh, sometimes uh, some years ago. I think about three, four years ago. And, and he said to me, he, he calls me apostle because he's also an apostle too. He said, apostle, I, I, I can pray for any kind of person. I can pray for anybody. He said, but there are sets of people I don't pray for. And of course, I didn't ask who, but as he was talking, he said it. He said, I don't pray for people Trusting God for the fruit of the womb. I said, Apostle, you are not praying for people trusting. He said, yes. He said, because the scripture already has a statement about them. Then at that point, I was like, sir, are you trying to motivate me? He said, no. He said, the Bible already says that there shall be no barren in the world. In the land. Are you living on the sea? Are you in the air? Where's the waiting mother? He says, so why do I need to disturb God with something that he has already stamped? If you understand that your greatness was designed by God, nothing should challenge you. Nothing should move you. If you wrote your destiny with your own hand, that's when you are looking for an eraser to edit. If it was designed by God, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Somebody said it will come to pass. Somebody say one more time. Say it will come to pass. Every attack is to either challenge your faith or cripple your faith. Every challenge that is launched at you, it's either to slow your pace 
or to divulge your wrath. When it looks like you're trying to do something and more attacks are coming, what does that, what should that tell you? Do more. But some people just back out. Every disappointment, every difficulty is to either stop the beat or stop your dance. You must have been doing well is why you are passing through what you are passing through. There must be a light at the end of the tunnel is why it looks like the tunnel is long. That's why it looks like it's long. I lived in Baltimore for I think two years with my parents. So there's this thing they call uh, uh, is it something tunnel. I can't remember the name. It's a, it's a very long tunnel. So above it is water. So you drive your car. Uh, in there. I'm sure if that is in Nigeria, nobody will pass that. Because you'll just be scared that what if that water comes. So I noticed that this thing is like a curve. I didn't even know it was in my, my dad called my attention to it. He said, do you notice that as long as this tunnel is, it's so dark, so it's your light that brightens up the tunnel. He said, do you notice that there is no signpost until you get to the end? I said, well, I didn't notice. Now, he said to me, he said, the reason why there is no signpost in between of that tunnel. So it's like a tunnel is long from here to there. So you're expecting signposts to be at almost every intersection. But you are seeing the signpost at the end. He said it's because if there's a signpost in between, you will get distracted. You will get distracted. He said so the reason why they put it at the end is so that you know that yes, you've come to the end of the road. How many of you have been to estate whereby they will tell you that this is the end of this road? Do you see it at the entrance of the estate? No. Always at the end. Always at the end. So what the, 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 the challenge I have with Christians most of the time is that you are too quick to turn back. You are too quick to turn back. So you hear somebody who is doing well, all of a sudden lose their strength. That's a good place to build up your strength. They've always been praying, but it looks like nothing is coming. That's where you pray more. Daniel was praying. The Lord said the blessings were released, but the prince of Persia stopped it. Now, did Daniel stop praying? No. Now, hear what the angel said. He said, the more you are praying, Daniel, you are helping me to resist the prince of Persia. He says, so when it got to a point that I saw that your prayer was getting to another level, I had to outsource that battle to Angel Michael and say, at this point, I, this angel can't face this Prince of Persia alone. And he said, Angel Michael came to fight on your behalf. Many of us are trying to draw things. But you are just so quick to back out. Why? Because it looks like the expectation is not forthcoming. And I know I'm preaching to somebody's spirit here. I know I'm preaching to somebody's spirit here. Every disappointment. It wants to change your beat or stop your dance. And you need to understand that your faith will always be tried in stages. Your faith will always be what? It will be tried in stages. Your faith will be tested by spirit. And the best place to prove your faith is in the midst of storms. 
So permit me to say that depression is never far from the life of somebody who already sees himself as a victim. I told you there are two people you always find on the battlefield. A victim and a what? And a victor. I love the story of David when he was facing Goliath. He didn't see Goliath. He saw a place where he could prove that there is a God over the people of Israel. So I say to you, that the next thing you would have to deal with in your life when you call yourself a victim is depression. One of the characters of depression is that it brings you to the place of silence. So you can't talk. You can't pray. You can't trust God. You can't even prophesy. You can't even speak to yourself. Somebody even prays for you. You can't even say amen. Oh, do you believe that God can change the situation? They're like, if it's going to change, it's going to change. I'll never forget the day Pastor Chris said to us in a meeting. He said, there is nothing called whatever will be, will be. There is nothing like that. If God says, I will pass, I will pass. That, no, that's not God. That's you. That's you. Some of you might need to, let me tell you something. Let me, let me say this. Let me say this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As much as churches, pastors, ministers preach certain things and it's though appears as the negative things that we need to learn positivity from. Now, what's the example? Now, of course, when a pastor is preaching about how Judas betrayed Jesus, the word betrayer alone is something to run away from. Am I right or wrong? Is, is what running away from. Yeah, but there is a positive side to that message. And maybe God will have me preach it one of these days. Now, I want to take you back to the story of the Tower of Babel. Now, that was not God's plan. That was not his plan. But these men came together and said, let's have a peek, a sneak peek of what heaven looks like. So let's build a tower that reaches up to the heaven. Now, what did he say? They were building. They were building. The heavens called the attentions of God. Now, God does not reside in heaven, but they wanted to see heaven. Now, they called the attention and said, the way these guys are going, the way these guys are going, they are almost close. Now, even God looked at that project and said, they are just one step close to seeing what heaven looks like. And God said, if you don't stop them, they will do what? They would achieve this thing. I want to challenge somebody this morning that rather than you packing your back so soon, why don't you press those clothes one more time and see if you will not get an invitation? Rather than packing your bags, rather than dusting it, lay those things down and see if you will not show up. Something happened to me. My wife will probably be in for the first time. But I wanted to share with her this morning, but I just forgot. Yesterday night, I was just cracking my head, getting set for today's service. And one of the things I always do, especially when it comes to communion service, I'm like, God, play the communion service to me. Let me see what it looks like. While I was doing that, I was just thinking about a lot of things that we need to put in place and all of that stuff. And I said to myself, I said, God, how's this going to happen? How's this going to be? How's this going to be? Even my wife have even asked me this morning, how are you going to sort this out? How are you going to sort this out? And I heard in my spirit. He said, why don't you focus on editing your sermon and leave this part to me? I said, if I edit sermon and close iPad, 
on Lokon is to sleep. And that's the truth. This was like about 1.32 a.m. I said, after I close this iPad and I edit my sermon, it is sleep. I'm waking up now. It's probably going to be 6.37. At that point, Lord, whatever miracle that will happen, might be too late. He said, edit your sermon. Pray over the sermon. And watch what I will do. The moment I was done editing the sermon, I was about to close the iPad. I looked at the battery. I said, oh, it has reduced by 12%. Let me go and recharge so that I don't have an issue when I'm preaching here. And just as I was dropping the iPad, somebody just commented on my status. I said, brother, where have you been? I said, I'm here. Where you put me? He said, wow, how are you? How's wife? How's everything? How's ministry? I said, we're fine. He said, wow. He said, quick one. What's on your mind? I said, on my mind? He said, what's on your mind? I said, nothing. He said, what's on your mind? Why are you still awake? It's nighttime in Nigeria. I said, there's a lot going on here. He said, okay, okay, okay. Um, uh, do you have cash up? I said, yes, I do, but I can't operate it here. I need somebody else to operate it for me over there. He said, okay, uh, send me your brother's details. I want to send something, a seed to the ministry. The same amount I was trusting God for in the middle of the night. Upon editing the sermon and done, the money came. I'm honest truth. Just like when Idahosa says something. He said there are some things you don't pray for. You just take a step. There are some things you don't pray for. You just do what? Trusting God for a husband. And you're always sitting at the back. You can't find one. No lady has spoken to you all your life. But you pray every night. Maybe it was even you that God was talking about this morning that you prayed all night. Let me help that prophetic word to come into pass. Redesign yourself. Did you hear what I just said? What did I say? Redesign yourself. Change your look. Change your shoe. Change your dress. Change your smell. The first thing a lady will appreciate in a man before she appreciates your look is how you smell. You see there, I say, mm hmm You can't be smelling like Tom Tom and want a girl to like you. You'll be getting Tom Tomboy. Is the honest truth? Honest truth. Take a step. Don't be quick to check out. Don't be quick to check out. Don't be quick to check out. Have you played a game with somebody before who knows he's going to win? He allows you to play everything. Some of my cousins, I don't like playing card with them. That thing called what? Or joker. So when they have one thing, they call last card. Say, last card, check. You will not be watching the person. You will be holding the card like this. Just, and you know the funny thing? They are, they are watching your stupidity. They, just, they play. 
That's, that's the new slang now. They play. Just they play. He's looking at you. He's pick two. It will pick two. Semi last card. It will drop it. And he's just looking. He has one card left. He knows that. That's the end of the game. The character of depression. It brings you to the place of silence. The character of depression. Another character of depression. Is that it puts you at the risk of losing everything. And one thing we fail to realize is that the miracle is in what's left. Did you hear what I just said? The miracle is what? It's in what's left. The miracle. It's in what's left. Every time God wants to do something, he asks you, what is that in your hand? He checks out what's left. The woman ran with her son to the prophet. He said, my husband served you all his life but left us with debts. And as I speak to you right now, if I don't take the right step, they are about to come and take the sons and enslave them. Now, what did the prophet say to her? He said, what do you have? She said to herself, we have nothing. There is nothing. The prophet asked again. He said, it's not possible. There must be something. He said, all we have is just a jar of oil. He said, now this is what you're going to do. Go back to that house with that jar of oil. Borrow many, not a what? Not a few. Shut the door against you. He didn't tell her to speak in tongues. He didn't tell her to pray. He didn't tell her to play gospel music. He didn't tell her to fast. He didn't say run around the house seven times. He didn't say dance the dance of the Holy Ghost. He said, just be pouring. Just be pouring. They filled all the jars. There was still oil in that same jar of oil. She asked her son, do we still have any more jars? The miracle is in what? Is in what's left. I was going through my financial situation back in Houston. The Lord said to me, he said, don't stop doing whatever you're doing on social media. Keep posting. I told you the story. I what I posted. Somebody used it against me. Someone said to me, he said, you are encouraging people. You yourself need encouragement. Now, this is one thing many of you might not know. I'm that pastor that will literally speak to you as though a pastor and as though a friend. I have a pastor in the house. So if, if, I'm, if I'm lying, they'll, 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 they'll see me after service and say, Pastor, you're now, this is the truth. Many times some men of God preach certain things to your spirit. Sometimes they've not experienced it. They're also expecting it. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes they are also expecting it for themselves. Let me say to you in a language you understand. That I preached it to you does not mean I am already a partaker. But I am positioning myself as well to be a partaker. It's, it's, it's just the truth. But some of you don't know it. Some of you don't know it. Just have, for that pastor to say it, he must have experienced it. Pastor Chris shared a story to us of how, how he was doing success seminar. Training people how to be successful. Training people how to be a millionaire. And he did not have it in his account. He did not. A great man of God that is no longer in this country but has a church in Lagos. 
was doing seminar for estate owners. How to successfully own an estate. <laughs> he was still staying in a rented apartment. It's, 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 it's just the truth. Just the truth. Some of you might think that uh, it was foreigners that wrote that book, Six Steps to Success, Seven Secrets to Whatever. You know all those titles, all those funny motivating titles that you see on the street or challenge, they just bite. One of the first guys is late now, he's a comedian. He wrote a book. How to bring your talents to limelight and be prosperous. Let me just mention his name so you know what I'm talking about. He wrote a book on how people can bring their talent and be successful, make money. He died without finishing his own house. His own house. His own house. Even Paul said in the scripture, he said, these things we are preaching to you, we are also trying to be partakers of these things. That's why Jesus said, even with the spirit that the Father has given to me, he said, as I'm leaving you, he said, greater works than what? Than this. Some of you have performed more miracles than Jesus did. Truth be told, the miracle is in what's left. Tap the person by your side on the shoulder and say, the miracle is in what's left. The turnaround is with something that is around the corner. Say, God is going to turn my life around. That thing he will use to turn your life around is around the corner. Around the corner, it's not far. That's why I laugh mostly at Christians when you most time think that your help is from abroad. Your help is not from abroad, it's from above, from the same place where you're standing. From the same place where you're standing, our help is never too far from us. That's why I want to appeal to you in church today. It's not part of my sermon, but I want to appeal to you. Never despise the expression and the disposition of certain people. They might be that helper you are waiting for. They might be that helper you are waiting for. They might just be. So you just look at him and say, oh, who is this guy? He, he, he can't. The way God changes people's life. He said, when the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion. It was like a film trick. That's my translation. It was like a film trick. Nobody expected it. Nobody expected it. I saw a video of uh, Debanj recently where they asked a the woman, what will you do with one dollar? And the woman said, <laughs> I'm sure all of us watching that video felt like what kind of Stupidity. A dollar is 700 naira or 800 naira. The woman said, My be who decides. <laughs> he said, The band said he could not hold his laughter and all of that stuff. They had to invite the woman. I saw the woman's look like, you know, she had this teeth gap and all that stuff. He man looked at her. He said, he said, Ma, it's not what it's not the video that is not anything that he said, it's the way you say you will be like be one dollar or decide. 
What does that tell you? She has a sight. She has a sight. She doesn't say, I'll follow, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the sight. He said, Etobaku, Mahafi, That woman left the band's house with two millionaires. It's on, it's on social media. Go check it. Two millionaires. And let me tell you something that people don't understand about when a, 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 a big man helps somebody. That is license to get more. She can't leave that place without having the band's number. Because by default, the band will want her to say thank you. And she can't say thank you through the PA. Now they've known the band's house. By default, if that woman is using a very good phone, she's already on his WhatsApp. If that woman wants to do something, now, you, 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 the real help is not what people project to you. The real help is behind the scene. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? The real help is what? It's behind the scene. It's not what they project to you. It's not, that woman did not only collect two million. I'm sure it's much more because she will still go to site. She will still go to site. Now, God bless her. She has a son that can sing. They'll sign him. Because that boy can't leave that place. And the band, will ha- the band is, is knowledgeable. He's educated. He will ask the boy, what can you do? That's how people's life change. In the entire market where the woman was selling something, they were calling her, yeah. But I can announce to you and say this. She can't collect that money and go back to that same market. She can't. If it's to open a container shop, she will. She can't go back to that same market. You are better be careful. You are better be careful. You better be careful. The mouth of a victim is always closed. A victim never has a new song. There's nothing to rejoice about. Stagnation becomes the experience of a victim. A victim is controlled by life and threatening challenges. A victim is always controlled by life. So I know when you're a victim, when you allow your circumstances to control you, when you allow your circumstances to do what? To control you. It controls your thoughts. It controls your action. Why are you doing this? Because they did this to me. Why are you going this route? Because this is what I experienced. Why are you so unfortunate in this? Because of what I'm, where I'm coming from. A great speaker said, he said, no matter your background, don't by yourself put your back on the ground. Every new generation is empowered with what it takes to change the former generation. Every new generation. Every new generation is empowered with something to change the former generation. It's empowered. It's empowered. It's empowered. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. That's why if you're growing up now and you're still within your parents, you're still within your household, this is my earnest advice to you. Don't just be that child that consumes African magic with your parents and just waste away your time in kitchen. Especially ladies, whenever you're with your mother in the kitchen, ask questions. Not stupid questions. Ask what? Intelligent questions. 
you don't know how to start, you can ask. You can start by asking, how did you meet my father? What did he say to you? Who was he when you met him? What kind of family did he come out from? What were the things my father said to you? Mom, tell me about your parents. These are questions I used to ask. There is no information about my father said or my mother said that I'm not exposed to. There is not. Sometimes when me and my wife were talking, I would be drilling her and asking her questions. Tell me this about your family. If you don't know some things, you will just be living your life running around the same circle. I'm telling you the honest truth. I ask questions. My grandmother had a very funny nickname for me growing up. She said, you are too inquisitive. You want to know everything. I really want to. So I'm not fighting the same thing that you're dealing with. It's not you're in the kitchen, you're asking for a recharge card, you're asking for this, you're asking for this. Mommy, can I take your bag to school next week? Mommy, can I use your makeup? Mommy, I want to go and do something with my auntie. No, 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 no. Ask intelligent questions. You just realize that in the midst of asking those questions, you are either one step closer to making the same mistake they make, or you're one step withdrawing from making that mistake. One of the earliest things I discovered about the family I came out from, very funny scenario. They, 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 don't, they don't believe in anything called Christian marriage. They don't. They don't believe in it. They believe that if you are going to get married to somebody, you must have, both of you must have messed up yourself. But I made a decision. That I'm going to change this. I'm going to change this. I shared it before in this house. I came from a family that you cannot have any celebration. They must gather money for you. But I made up my mind. This will not happen. This will not happen. They mix God and Haba from where I came from. God and what? I made up my mind. This will never happen. This will never happen. It says God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man saw it, what happens? I put it to you today. You can stop certain trials by asking the right questions. Asking what? The right questions. Now, oh, pastor, huh, it's easier said than done. My mom does not talk. It's not possible. My dad, my dad, my dad is just a silent man. He's hardly at home. Okay, he's hardly at home, but the day you were in trouble, he showed up. The day somebody told me, he said, he said, trouble is a constant celebration in my family. I said, how do you mean? He said, there's no trouble. Like, it's like something is wrong with the family. There must be trouble. He said, we thrive on trouble. Like, it's just normal. Have you, have you, have you celebrated with certain family that no matter how organized, no matter how projected the celebration can be, somebody must fight? Do I have a witness? They can just step on one uncle like this. Say, fight, don't start. The worst one is where they say, I didn't like how the musician called my name two times and called my younger brother five times. Is it because he has more money than me? And they will just start the fight. So you live in that kind of family and you tell yourself, this thing has to stop. 
that's where you start asking questions and you start putting the right perspective and you tell yourself, for this event, there'll be event planner. For this event, there'll be rules. For this thing, this organization is the key. Certain trials can be stopped by doing what? By asking the right questions. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 12. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 12. I want to show you something as I bring this to a close. Isaiah 55. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. My what? My ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10. Verse 10. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the heart, and making it bored and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread. For what? For the eater. Verse 11. So is my word that comes out of my mouth. And God's word comes out of his mouth every time you seek him. Seeking is also the same as asking questions. A great man of God said there is nothing you are passing through the answer is in the word. The answer is where? In the word of God. He said, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent it for. Verse 12. This is a prayer. If only you can say amen. He said, you go out in joy and be led forth in peace. He said, the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And the trees of the field will do what? Will clap their hands. In the midst of trials, tribulations, challenges, there is a character that you must embrace. There is a character that you must express. And I want to put it to you as I bring this to a close, that the character of a believer is joy. The character of a believer is what? Joy. Joy is a revelation. Joy is a what? A revelation. The anointing upon a believer is joy. Joy is the requirement for a divine interruption or a divine intervention. You don't have joy as a character. You will keep willing with weights. You keep willing. Everything could have held you down. But I announced to you this morning that joy is a lifter. Joy is a what? It's a lifter. It's a lifter. One of the things I... Some of us might need to take trips to... To places that looks absurd. What do I mean by absurd? Like environments that you can tell that this is shades of, of poverty. When you find believers in those environments, there is one thing you can never take from them. They would always have a song. They will always what? They will always have a what? A song. Don't put on the character of a victim. Put on the character of a victor. And a victor is a believer. The character of a believer is joy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is of the spirit. Joy lifts. 
And when it looks like everything is working against you, joy is a fixer. Am I preaching to your spirit this morning? Joy is a what? It's a fixer. It fixes it. That's why it says you go out in joy. Joy gives you a clear signal that your night has ended and the morning has started. That's why it says weeping endures. For what? For the night. But what comes in the morning? Joy. Joy calls your attention to what's next. That's what joy does. God's servant, Bishop David Oedipo said, he said, I've never had a sad day. Find something that stirs up the spirit on the inside of you. Find something. Find something. Have I lost things before? Yes, I have lost things. But my response was not tears. My response was with a song of praise. Joy calls your attention to what's next. Joy gives you winning strategies. Joy tells you that you can win with a seed. Joy tells you that you can win with a song. Joy tells you that you can win with a dance. That's why it says rejoice, O you barren. That's what the word calls you. That's what life calls you. But there is a disposition. Joy tells you to win your battles with a word that comes from God. Reverend Chris Oyakilome said to us in a meeting, he said, what God wants to give you is not a miracle. What God wants to give you is not a healing. What God wants to give you is not money. What God wants to give you is not a car. What God wants to give you is not a change of wardrobe. What he wants to give you is his word in your word in your spirit with his word in your spirit you will mount and scale whatever heights with his word in your spirit with his word in your spirit now this is not just a motivating or uh, or it look like a prophetic kind of saying say, oh pastor uh, when they say there's a casting down I will say there's a lift you, you don't say there's a lift you act that there's a lifting up because saying it can still keep you there. You act it. You do what? You act it. I don't know who I was having a meeting with, whether I was my workforce member. I said, when a great father of faith lost his child, they advised him, they said, cancel the program for this period. The man said, no. I went for the funeral service. This man still preached to us through the screen. And told us, he said, don't, he said, he said, he said, don't see this as a funeral service. See this as a graduation service that we have graduated into a new rank of army. He said, at this point, he said, we have lost a general, but more generals needs to rise up. And he ended that statement by saying, I look forward to seeing you at the next Holy Ghost service. I said, what? One time my pastor in Houston was preaching and we were trying to call his attention that, sir, 
We don't know what's wrong. Oh. It looks like your child is going up the street. Oh. It's like she's just walking. It's going up. It's like hungry. We pass paper. We send text. Did everything. Say, Pastor, cut your salmon. Let's go and solve this situation. This man did not stop. Oh. Finished preaching. Laid hands on people. Got into his office. He said, hey, Tommy, I'm just seeing your message. Oh. He said, I just saw that my phone was coming up during service. I didn't pay attention. I just said, I did the situation. He says, oh, where is the person now? He said, Pastor, the person is back. Like, we were able to calm the situation and all that. And the next thing this man said to me that changed my life. He said, it's two things. It's either I get to heaven before the person, or the person gets to heaven before me. He said, but one thing will not change. The course of my assignment. Not too many of us can make that bold statement. Because many of us get too carried away by what we lose and what we are expecting. The very week I lost my father, I still preached. The very week. The person sees in my mind and says, Pastor, I didn't know you lost. I said, it's gone. Stop putting yourself as a victim. Stop putting yourself as a victim. It's a word for somebody this month. Do not position yourself as a word. As a victim. No matter what you've lost, there will always be something left. There will always be something left. I posted a video on the, on the church WhatsApp group of a great man of God that I follow so dearly in Baltimore. And what did this man say? He says, the only reason why you can ignore the losses and still have room to count your blessing is because you still have life. There are people who lose things with their life. Place your two hands on your chest. Let the devil know this morning, I am not a victim. Say it with confidence. Say, I am not a victim. You could have entered the house with tears, but you can't come out with tears. You will come out with what? Joy. Stop counting your losses. Take your eyes off them. But pastor, have expectations. Don't put your mind on the expectations. Sometimes people get disappointed. Have I been disappointed before? Yes, I have. Despite those that will tell you, calm down, I got this under control. They don't, they. Let me speak like an American. They got nothing under any control. The only person that can tell you, go and sleep, I will take care of this thing for you, is God. Is God. Because the person, the human being that tells you, not soon, go and sleep, I'll solve it. He too will not sleep. Now, if he's surrounded by sleep motivators, he will sleep. One of the first things I told my wife when we first met, I said, one thing I hate in my life, I don't hate sinners. I don't hate people that backstab me. I don't hate people that do all kinds of things. One thing I hate in my entire life, I hate pressure. Pressure can make you borrow when the helper is just at the bus stop. So by the time the helper now comes, what you should be enjoying 
You are easy to pay back what you have borrowed. Am I speaking to somebody's mind this morning? Pressure can make you cut your coat according to your size. When you're supposed to cut it according to what you want. I told her, I said, pressure? I hate it. I live in a system whereby if you pay for things, you will get it. It's it, 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 this part of Nigeria. I started coming back to saying Q, Q. Me? Who hates pressure? Why pull a generator when there's key? Say, Pastor, Pastor, uh, things are hard. Pastor, things are hard. I'm, I'm, I'm saving money. I'm doing all the jobs. I'm doing everything. I must, I must, I must do this. I must build a house. I must buy a car. I must do. Pressure kills. Did you hear what I just said? Pressure kills. Pressure gives you a prayer point when God has already given you victory. That's what pressure does. Take it off your system. Because the Lord said, I shall announce to us that this month of August, if you receive God's word with me this morning, is your month. Hear this. Said this is month of August. By the Spirit, it's your month of inexpressible joy. Inexpressible joy. People will ask you, How are you doing it with what you are passing through? Like Joe Pray said. I got joy, joy, oh joy, joy overflow in my life. I got joy, joy, oh joy. Joy overflow in my life. You don't have a job, but how are you still sowing seed? I got joy. Joy overflow. the requirements for the job. You don't look like you have the requirements. But what's your response? I have joy. It's your month. It's your month. 
inexpressible joy in the midst of pain joy in the midst of turmoil joy in the midst of expectation joy in the midst of losses joy so I'm not counting losses says I count it all joy you can't bring a man down that God is still holding his hand am I speaking to that sister this morning they can't bring you down once Jehovah is still holding your hands Your legs can be willing and all of that. And this is, is, is going to fall. It's going to fall. Now, this is what my father does. He places your feet upon the rock that does not fail. I heard loud and clear. He's giving me this word almost before the end of the month of July. He said, what I'm about to do in this season is inexpressible joy. Not by what you wear, not by how you look not by what they say not by your account not by your experience inexpressible joy inexpressible joy so now this is what happens to somebody who has joy in their spirit you are not waiting for them to give you a song he puts a song in your mouth He's turned my life around. He given me a brand new victory. He doesn't put all songs in your mouth. New songs. New songs. We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast, and we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today, and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. Kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you.